Tell you what, I already feel at home. You know, growing up in Louisiana around alligators, that's why I never moved back to Louisiana. I stayed in Oklahoma. <laughs> but it's been a joy being a, a part of Rama, and I met your pastors at Rama, and and so uh, Pastor Shelley was part of the Rama Singers and Band, and um, Pastor Jim was. Uh, at, at Raymond, we always called him Handsome Jim. We never told him that, but he was <laughs> always handsome. And, yeah, but I was telling them this morning, I feel like I'm on vacation, you know. It's been, it's been great. I flew in Friday night, and uh, I got caught up, you know, watching the Celtics game, and I was at the gate, and they were waiting on me, and you know, we waited there an extra probably 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, but Pastor Jim told me, hey, Byron, just be led by the Spirit. You know, one thing at Rhema, uh, we believe in being led by the Spirit of God. During praise and worship, I kept hearing in my spirit some, someone was saying, man, I wish I could do ministry. Uh, I may have waited too late, but it's never too late. You know, I tell... My students, the value of life is not in its duration, but in its donation. You know, what have you donated to this life? You know, Jesus lived 33 years. He started his earthly ministry at 30. You know, so it's never too late. You can, you can get involved now. You can start doing ministry now. You know, I was thinking, uh, I love microwave popcorn. <laughs> you know, when you put that, that popcorn in the uh, microwave, you know, the first two minutes, nothing happens. You know, you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And it looks like at two minutes and 30 seconds, that's when action starts. <laughs> you get a ping and a pow and a ping, and then at 2.45, you get a ping, pow, pow. You know, sometimes that's the way the whole God is. You know, God can do more and the latter stages than in the first two minutes of that popcorn popping, you know? It's never too late. You, you know, you may think it's over, but man, you're just getting started. I was uh, reading statistics, man, people are living longer. We have to restructure our cities. Um, you know, the baby boomer generation, we're living longer. And so it's never too late to do ministry. If you're thinking about, uh, you know, education, it's never too late. So I just want to encourage that, that person, whomever you are, you know, it's never too late to start ministry. You know, Brother Hagen didn't start Rhema until he was almost 60. And so you're just getting started. Jesus started at 30, he lived to 33. What have you donated? You know, donation. So, but um, today, I'm honored to be here and I want to thank Pastor Jim and Shelley for having me in. And uh, I've been at Raymond now for 35 years. You know, the decades have flown by. And, and so my, my current title, I am the um, athletic director 
the slash instructor, slash activities director. So everything that happens on campus, I like to be involved in. That's just the type of person I am. You know, before coming to Rama, we didn't let our pastor do, do anything. If, if he vacuumed the floor, we'd take the vacuum from him. If a light bulb needed to be changed, man, we helped him off the chair and, or, or off the ladder. And we didn't want our pastor doing anything like that. We used to tell him, hey, pastor, we got that. I was thinking about this this morning. Funny story. I, um, one of my uh, responsibilities, I used to work graveyard. Graveyard shift at Winn-Dixie stores. I was a freshman in college. And um, it was my responsibility to fill the baptism pool. And so I used to work nine to nine, turn the water on, go grab breakfast. But this particular Saturday, I was so tired, I went home and I went to sleep. And so I put the hose in the pool, and at five o'clock, Pastor Lloyd called me up, Byron, can you come to the church? And I said, give me about 15 minutes. And he'd take a shower. And so I'm coming down Evangeline Drive, which is about a mile from the church, and, I'm, and I said, man, this, this is 100 degrees. And, and I'm rolling through water. <laughs> and I hit the church parking lot. The church parking lot's flooded. And I said, oh, my goodness, I left that hose. And, and so he, he said, Byron, get on the phone and call the men. We need to clean all of this up. We have service tomorrow. And, you know, I'm, I'm calling everybody. I'm calling neighbors. I'm knocking doors. And, uh, you know, one, one, even though I made a mistake, the pastor never told anybody, hey, Byron messed up. You know, and I, I still remember that to this day. You know, he, he covered for me. He just told everybody there was a malfunction with, with, with the pool. <laughs> you know, but that's the kind of person he was, you know. And uh, when you serve in helps ministry, you're going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. You know, but he never once said, hey, Byron cost us $1,500. He never said, Byron messed the carpet up. You know, he just said, hey, we had a malfunction with the pool. We, uh, we had an engineer in the church. And, and he said, Byron, I'm an engineer. That, that pool cannot flood the sanctuary, the churchyard, and a half a mile down the street. Something happened. <laughs> And I said, yeah, I, uh, I fell asleep. You know, but my pastor took that opportunity. He turned the crisis into a men's fellowship. You know, even though I messed up, you know, he, he turned it around and, and, and never said, hey, Byron did this. And, and a lot of times we make mistakes, you know, but thank God. I was telling my uh, class this and they were scratching their head. And I said, when you read the story about the prodigal son, I said, what did the father do wrong? You know, nothing. Sometimes things just happen. 
I was in uh, Nebraska ministering a couple years ago, and I was telling this, 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 this story, and this lady, she stopped me in the middle of my sermon. She said, I've been beating myself up for years because both of my kids backslid. And, and, and I said, ma'am, uh, it's not your fault. You know, sometimes things just happen. You know, she said, I raised them in church. And, and now they're not serving God now. I said, don't, don't worry about it. Just keep praying for them. You know, when you read the word of God, and I shared this with her, I, I said, the Bible says there was a war in heaven at one point. And when you think about it, a war in heaven? And, and I asked you the question, what did God do wrong? There was a war up there. Nothing. You know, sometimes life happens, and, and you have to learn how to navigate through it. You know, you got to give things over to God. Pray and, and leave it there. Man, when I was a kid, I used to love to, to um, do fireworks. We used to have fire, firework wars. I, don't I hadn't told, told my mom yet that I, I did so much damage to the house. You know, you take Roman candles and shoot them at each other. But firecrackers, you know, I used, to, I used to love to pop firecrackers. And so when you light that fuse, you run and get back. You know, because it's going to explode. Well, when we pray, you know, we expect things to happen. When you pray, it's just like lighting the firecrackers, just like lighting that fuse. Things happen. Things happen. When you pray, believe, you, uh, you receive. That's it. What we do, we, we pray, thank God, go to bed, get up, and praise the Lord. Next day, go to bed, get up, we praise the Lord. You know, I was thinking about this last week. Everything God has, every assignment God has told, told me to do, I never had the money for, never had the resources for. You know, God, God might lead Pastor Jim to build a building. You know, a lot of times God will give the pastor the vision, and he may give you guys the provision. You know, but I have a lot of assignments that God, God may give me, and I always tell the Lord, I say, Lord, why do you always tell me to do stuff, and I don't have the money to do it? <laughs> but the money always comes. The help always comes. You know, a lot of times if you just start doing, the help will come. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want it to be formal and, and all. And I, I, I do have a structured message. You know, but, but it's never too late 
to get involved in ministry. One year, we had a lady in, in Rosen Raymond. She was 86 years old. She was partially blind in a wheelchair, but she, she still came. I had a lady in the helps group. She, I, I think her name was Miss Birdie. She was 82. She was there every morning. You know, but it's never too late for a ministry. And you will find no greater place to get involved in ministry but right here in your local church. I tell you what, man, it's fun serving God. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's a, an adventure. You know, God is, is, is so faithful. I was raised Baptist, and, you know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 17. I started attending full gospel church. And, um, you know, just always love, love the people of God, love serving God. Anything that, that happened at church, I was involved. It was sweeping, uh, moving chairs, running the bookstore, driving the church van. I just wanted to be a part of it. And so, and that's the kind of attitude that, that, uh, that you have to have. You know, you can impact the world from the helps ministry. You know, you look at the, the life and ministry of Mother Teresa. I never heard her preach a sermon. I never heard her sing a song. But she impacted the world just by doing what, what God has called her to do. You see, you can touch so, so many lives from just being part of a local church. You don't have to have a pulpit ministry. You know, I've been traveling the country for 25 years, and I was telling a friend of mine, I said, man, every time I go to an airport, people think um, Sammy Sosa, Akeem Olajuwon, I'm one of the sports commentators on TV. And it's funny, but it's just an open door to, get, to start talking about Jesus, you know? Amen. To start to get the gospel in. So, but, but today, the title of my sermon, The Greatest in God's Kingdom, I actually had a medal of a part of my job, I order T-shirts and awards for guys that play in the mural sports. Andrew played ultimate frisbee at, at, at Arema, and um, we're in the middle of a racquetball tournament. And I had a medal, but I forgot to pack it. Um, but the greatest in the kingdom, when you think of greatness, I think of the, the Olympics. You know, everybody wants to win the gold. When you think about it, man, those guys, uh, they train for four years for a 20-second race. You know, in preparation, sometimes it takes that long to get to that, that stage 
Preparation time is never wasted time. Brother Hagen used to tell us that all the time. But greatness. You know, back in the Bible days, the Romans, they, they ruled the known world. And they would go into different cultures and different lands. And they would in, enslave people. But Jesus was talking to his disciples one day in Matthew 20. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew 20. And while you guys are turning there, I'm going to pray right quick. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, we just thank you for anointing every heart. We thank you for anointing every ear. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that the word will fall upon good ground. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 20, the greatest in the kingdom. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. You know, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, but Jesus called them unto himself and said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise authority, dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it should not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You know, Jesus said, hey, the way the Romans rule, my, my kingdom is not set up that way. You know, God's kingdom is, is set on a different order. You know, think about it. In, in, in God's kingdom, if you want to go up, you have to go down in service. If you want to give, if, if, if you want to receive, God tells you to give. You see, and it's very important for you to know that. You know, when you're dealing with the kingdom of God, when you're dealing with the supernatural, two plus two doesn't equal four. When you're dealing with the supernatural, anything can happen. When you're dealing with God, all things are possible. We don't give up. A lot of Christians give up. When they get a negative report from the doctor, they, they give up. No, we don't give up. We light that fuse, and we expect, just like that firecracker, man, we, that, that, that firecracker is going to explode. But we don't give up, and a lot of people give up. But it's never too late. You know, God will always make a way where there is no way. You know, it doesn't matter what you go through, what you're facing. You know, God, God doesn't need your credit report. He doesn't need your influence. You know, God can do anything. And I told the guy this, I, 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 I said, if you can believe a virgin can have a baby, why can't God pay your tuition? The Red Sea split.
You know, there was a great debate. Two, two theologians had a, a, a big argument about the Red Sea. And one, one theologian said, hey, where they crossed, it was only two feet of water. And the guy said, no, it, it was a big body of water. And, and he told other theologians, he said, if what you're saying is true, then it was a greater miracle because the whole Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water. But impossible situations, you know, God specializes in impossible situations. If you don't give up, if you just keep on believing. You know, I don't understand how a brown cow could eat green grass and produce white milk, but it works. And a lot of times we get caught up in the process and want to understand it. You know, you will never have enough money, but God, God has enough money. God, God has resources. I was telling my uh, class this back when the economy, it was 2010, 2011, I had four duplexes I needed to sell and my real estate attorney, my accountant said, Byron, you don't want to sell these things right now. And he said, the, the, the market's bad. And I said, hey, we're going to sell. And, and so we went ahead and listed them. And, and, and my wife was telling me, she, 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 she said, Byron, let's just list it. This is what we got to do. And, and so three months went by, we didn't get a call. And I got to thinking, I said, well, maybe, uh, maybe I should have listened to my attorney. You know, I started to reevaluate everything. And my wife would put me back and, and check, no, we, we prayed. That's it. And when you pray, you just leave it there and, and thank God every day until the answer comes. And so... My attorney told me, she, he said, Byron, I told you, the banks are not loaning that kind of money right now. And, and I said, in fact, I just quit calling them because I didn't need to hear that. You know, sometimes you just need to, you know, when Jesus went to Jay Iris's house, he put him out. You know, because a lot of times when, when you're forward in the supernatural, people think you're crazy, actually, you know. But you're not dealing with natural things. You're dealing with the supernatural. And, you know, sometimes you need people to hook up with you. And, and so we, we got a call finally, and, 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 and we found a buyer. And they said, hey, we don't need a bank. We got cash. And, and, and so, thank God, I, I, I was selling them at 700000 and the banks had quit loaning that kind of money, but, and, and my attorney said, man, it's a miracle. And, and, and I said, well, we kept telling you. <laughs> but if you just believe God, you know, Lazarus, man, Lazarus, think about it, Lazarus was dead. It was over. But it's never over when you're dealing with God. 
It ain't over. We, we play till we win. If we got to hit the reset button, we just reset. But a lot of people, man, they just give up. The, the, the first sign of opposition, man, this ain't going to work. I don't want to get into my, the workshop stuff, but we're going to talk about being innovative and being creative tonight. But I want to give you guys three components for, for greatness. Component number one, you must unwrap the gift that God has given you. Every man, every woman has a gift. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man had received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it with the ability which God giveth. You know, every, every person, every man, every woman, everyone here has a gift. God has deposited something on the inside of you. I ask this question often. If you purchase a very expensive Christmas gift, if you spent $3,000 on a Christmas gift, and at Christmas time, your wife didn't open that gift, how would you feel? Horrible. Horrible. How would you feel, ma'am, if you, uh, you spent $3,000 and, and your loved one didn't open that gift, how, how would it make you feel? Sad. You know what? Think about it. Think about this. How, how do you think God feels when we don't operate and we don't function in the gift that he's given us? You know, I used to think, man, I'm just, when I went to Rhema, I said, man, I'm just going to go to Rhema Church and just chill out. There's thousands of people here. They can do you know, they can usher. They got a lot of people here who can usher, that, that can usher. There's a lot of people here that can do communion, that can set chairs up. I'm, I'm just going to come here and just have a good time and just, you know, maybe spy out the land and try to find me a wife. And <laughs> You know, but there was, a, there was a gift on the inside of me. And I used to think, it's okay, man, just to live a good life, go home and be with the Lord. But I found out that that's not so. It's incumbent upon you to function and operate in the gift God has deposited on the inside of you. You know, James chapter 4, verse 17, you know, the Bible says to him, to know to do good and do it not is sin. Sin is not only doing things that you shouldn't do, but sin is also doing things that you, sin is also not doing things that you should do. For example, the Bible tells a man to love his wife like, like, like Christ loves the church. You see, there are sins of commission, 
and sins of omission and and doing things that you that you know you should do and you do it not they won't send you to hell but you won't live the life that God intends you to live here on earth you know you're missing out on a tremendous blessing um, I have a publishing company I publish other people's books and, and so one day I was talking to another traveling minister at, at Arama, and, and he said, Byron, I, I went to Missouri and I met this guy in this church. He had a car wreck. He died and went to heaven. And he said, he wants to put it in book form. I told him about your company. So, you know, I, I thought about it, prayed about it. And so my wife and I drove, uh, drove to Branson and uh, I took my recorder and I met the guy and recorded the, we talked for six to eight hours. You know, I wanted to make sure everything was legit and, you know, doctrinally sound before I put it in the book. And, and so his name is Jeff Davis and we, we, published his, we published his book. I didn't bring any with me. In fact, I'm, I'm actually sold out of it, but the title of his book is My Time in Heaven. And one thing Jeff told me, he, he said, man, there's angels everywhere. And he, and he said that there, there are black angels, white angels, oriental angels. Uh, he said the angels speak different languages. He, he said some, some, some angels, uh, they're, they're in the, the, the business arena. Some are in sports. Some are, they deal with music. And they're paired up with us according to our gifts and our purpose. You see, your, your, your gift and your purpose is tied together. A good indicator of the gift that God has given you, what are you good at doing? You know, my, my son loves to play the drums. In, in fact, he's been beating on, and I kind of hate to go back home because he has a drum set now. And he just beats on everything. The furniture, the, the walls. And, and so I bought him a drum set. So Craig, Craig Hagen said, buy him, buy him an electric drum set. So I, I tried that. He destroyed it, in, I think, in two weeks. You know, but you, you can see different gifts coming out, even in kids when they're young. So we've been cultivating that gift. I know Pastor Jim was telling me the same thing about Andrew. He started playing the drums, started beating on things that too, and, and playing the drums. But you can, other people can see gifts in you that you can't see. When you're truly gifted, other people can see gift, the, 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 the gift that you have, but you probably can't see it because it's natural to you. I like business, my degrees in business. I like business and sports, so that's what I do. To me, I'm just going through life being happy. <laughs> you know, people are gifted in other areas. You know, and I, I, I tell people, man, if, if, if you paint, get a brush. If you cook, you know, get a spoon. You know, start functioning and operating in the area that God has called you to operate in. 
And you might say, man, man, what I got seems so small compared to other people. But no one can do what you can do. I like doing this illustration. Uh, I have a seed here in my hand, but it's actually more than that. This is a seed that produces other seeds, that produces other seeds, that produces trees, that produces other seeds. What I have in my hand is a forest, but it's in seed form. But there's so much potential in this seed. But if I never plant it, I will never see the potential of it. If I just take it and, and, and just place it here, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. And that's what a lot of people do. They take the gift the, and, and the call that God has upon their life, and they just put it on the window seal. You see, you're not here to pay off a mortgage and drive a nice car, but God has called you to do something. And it's, it, it's incumbent upon you to get started. You remember how we opened. It's never too late. It's never too late to get started in, in ministry. You know, your gift and your purpose is tied together. What, what God has called you to do, he has equipped you to do. You, you are loaded. And, and, and the devil does not want you to know that. You see, your, your future is not ahead of you. Your future is on the inside of you. You have to walk it out. You have to pray it out. You have to get started just, just by blessing people. I read a, a, a recent Gallup poll, the survey revealed that only 10% of people are involved in their local church. 10% of people are involved in service in their local church. So if there's 100 people in a church, only 10 people are actively involved. But if you get started, just being faithful, you know, man, God, God can take you around the world. I remember when I was 18 years old, someone came to our church. This was before I attended Rhema. And I was a freshman in college. I was taking remedial English, remedial math. And this guy came through. He, he looked at me and said, hey, you're going to be writing books, and your books are going to go all over the world. And I said, man, I can, I got trouble with my subject verb agreement and my prepositional phrases and my gerunds and, and just, I could barely fuse two sentences together. And you talking about me writing a book? In fact, everybody said, Byron, uh, man, we don't know. <laughs> we thought this guy was a prophet, but when he told you that, we doubted his, uh, we didn't know if he was called to the ministry. And I was thinking the same thing. I said, man, I, ooh, I barely made it through English 4 in high school, you know. But I stayed faithful. And, you know, just doing what God told me to do, just staying faithful at it. 
and just keep plugging away at it. Taking my gift and just serving people. Working in, in the local church, just being a blessing. You, you know, if anything happened at church, I'm right in the middle of it. I, I, I just wanted to bless people. I wanted to be a blessing to my pastor. I just wanted to help. And started helping and in, in, in working in the ministry of helps. And then I went to the mission field. I was a missionary for a year and a half over in uh, Lima, Peru. And I came back to a Wonder Bible seminar, and the, the Hagans wanted me to come back. So I, I came back. I cut it short and, and came back. But over in, in Peru, Willie George, Church on the Move Ministry, had donated a printing press over uh, at, in, in our South American Peru the, with the missionary that I was working with. And I began running the print shop and got familiar with printing and working with books and tracts. And then when I went back to Rainbow, you know, the Lord started to lead me on writing books. And, and so, but just from, from being faithful, um, you, you know, now I, I have books all over the world. In fact, I got a letter from uh, somebody, and it said, well, we just want you to know that we're printing your books in the mountains of South America. I said, well, praise the Lord. You know, we, uh, we send books all over the world. I just donate them. I just sent 3,000 books to uh, Zambia, Africa. You know, and I think back 40 years ago when the guy told me that, I thought he was out of his mind. I said, man, writing a book? But faithfulness will take you places and open doors. That's why it's so important to be faithful. Developing that gift. Um, you know, James Brown wrote a song years ago. How many of you guys know who James Brown is? The title of it was Get Up Off of That Thing. And I got to thinking, well, that's what a lot of Christians need to, they need to get up off of that thing. Get up off of that gift. And put it to work. Start, start blessing people. You know, the gift that God has given you is not for you. It's for someone else. See, when you start operating and, and flowing in the things of God, man, God, God's going to bless you. The blessings of God is going to overtake your life. You know, yesterday, man, we, we went to Boston and we went to a graveyard. We took a tour of the of, of a graveyard. And I got to thinking, you know, one, I heard one minister say years ago that the graveyard is the richest place on the face of the earth. The graveyard, and I said, the graveyard? But he said, buried in the graveyard are books that were never written, businesses that were never started, songs that were never sung, all because the people that are buried there never fulfilled their God-given purpose. See, you have a purpose in life. There are people waiting for you. When we get to heaven, man, we're going to find out. You know, maybe 
that you wouldn't have backslid if you would have been there to give that word of encouragement and been that mentor. You know, that person would have been encouraged to go to the mission field. You see, when you don't function in your gift, things don't happen. That should happen. And so it's very important to, to get involved. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said that everyone can be great because everyone can serve. That was component number one. Component number two. Component number two, you got to trust God. You have to trust God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, one of the first things I, 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 I played baseball growing up. How many baseball fans I got in here? I got one, two, three. <laughs> baseball, softball. But the first thing I learned in, in, in baseball, I played third base. First thing I learned was how to catch a pop fly. And Coach Mike, I remember Coach Mike, he said, Byron, I'm going to throw the ball up, and you got to keep your eye on the ball. And he said, the first thing you say is, I got it. And after about five times that, I turned to him, I said, Coach Mike, you know, the ball's in the air. I, I don't have it. And, and, and he said, well, you're just letting everybody know. You're letting the world know that that's your ball. And I said, but, but coach, the, the ball's in the air. It's not in my glove yet. And he said, that's okay. That, that's your ball. And when I got uh, saved and, and I got to thinking about that, I, I said, you know what? The things of God kind of operate the same way. You know, when I need money in my account, I got it. I don't have to see it, but I got it. If I need healing, I got it. When that ball used to be in the air, I, I, I used to just yell out, I got it, it is mine. But in, you know, in, in reality, I didn't have it yet. The ball was still in the air, but I'm telling everybody, I got it. You know, God wants us to trust him the same way. I got it. Whatever you need this morning, you got it. How many of you guys work a job? When you first started that job, you got paid, what, once a week? Every two weeks, once a week? Yeah. But think about it. You, you actually started working before they paid you. You went to work, and they said, we're going to pay you on the 15th and the 30th. But you actually started working before you got paid. How do you know that they had money to pay you? Did you check their account? We, or we just take people at their word. And, and that's what God wants us to do with him. If God says you're healed, you're healed. That's it. If God said I'm going to meet your needs, he's going to meet your needs. That's it. In a discussion. But we, we go to work, 
and we start working. And, and, and you tell your wife, man, the 15th, I'm buying this, I'm buying that. You already got the money spent, and, and, and you hadn't even gotten it yet. But it becomes second nature. And God wants us to operate in his kingdom. He wants everything to be second nature. A couple of weeks ago, I had a guy tell me, he said, Byron, we need to repair a fence. And I found out it was going to cost $10,000. Well, we don't have $10,000 yet, but it's coming. But it's coming in. So what we did do, we ordered the wood. Because I know the money's coming in. We had enough money to get started. See, see, a lot of times if God tells you to do something, if you just get started, people are going to come help. You know, if I, if I say, man, I want to I put 10 chairs up here, if I just go and start doing it, instinctively people are just going to get up and start helping. You've seen that a lot of times when God tells you to do something, if you just start doing it, God will give you the vision, somebody else will have the provision. Somebody else come, will come with the expertise to do engineering on it. Someone else will come just to do legwork. But, but if you just start, you know, God will add, add to it. And if you think about it, man, it's a team effort. And my staff, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, my guys, I, I have to pray for, for, for a few of them. And, you know, sometimes you got to believe God that, that, that they're going to show up sometimes. And so I was telling a friend of mine, I, I, I said, man, this generation is different from, from us. We just worked. We just, you know, you don't have to pay us. We, man, we just do it. We just take one for the team. You know, my, my biggest challenge as a boss is, is when I have a 65-year-old a working with an 18-year-old. Oh, my goodness. And one of them has experience. The other one is have the zeal, and they just want to get the job done. And and there's the older person. Hey, there's safety issues involved, and and everybody wants to do it their way. And yeah, so and I have to get in there and mediate and be smart about things and. Anyway, we're talking about trusting God. Component number three. Component number one, unwrapping the gift. Component number two was trusting God. Everything that you do, you got to trust God. Some of you, the, 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 the gift that God has deposited on the inside of you is going to take you around the world. 
some of you sitting here now. Component number three, you must capitalize on opportunities, God-given opportunities. You know, every opportunity has a lifespan to it. And sometimes opportunities will disguise themselves as hard work, obstacles, problems. You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those of the household of faith. You know, God-given opportunities, there's a lifespan to it. You know, back at the turn of the century, a, uh, a shoe company sent two salesmen to India. They wanted to explore the market on, sh on shoe sales. And so they, the salesmen, they put them on a, a ship and they went to India. And they were given the task to telegraph back on what they saw and to give a report. Salesman number one, his telegraph read, no one here wear, wears shoes. You know, send me a ticket home. Salesman number two, his telegraph read, no one here wears shoes. What a great opportunity to introduce shoes to this part of the world. You see, how do you see things? You know, both of them, they saw the same thing. They had a different perspective. You know, Moses sent out 12 spies. Ten came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. How do you see things? You know, other people see a problem. Other people see a business. Other people see a crisis. Other people see an opportunity to make supplies and resources. You know, how do you see things? How do you see situations? You know, I, I read an article, uh, our country, the, the U.S. of A., we had more millionaires born during the Great Depression than any other time in our history. And when you think about it, man, the Great Depression, man, man you had soup lines, you, you had you know, people jumping out of windows. But at the same time, millionaires were, were being born in the middle of a crisis. How do you see things? Other people see problems. Other people see, man, this is an opportunity. I, I mean, you look at the war that's going on. Somebody's making bullets. Somebody's making tanks. Somebody's manu manufacturing things. And so opportunities. God will put opportunities right in your lap. And, and so don't let a God-given a God opportunity pass you by. You know, never pass up opportunity to bless somebody. You know, last Friday was my uh, birthday. And our worship leader at the church called me and said, hey, hey Byron, I'm trying to 
find a lawnmower. And he, he uh, said, I know you know people, and you know where, where to direct me. And I, uh, and I said, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. I hung up the phone, and the Lord told me, go, go buy him a lawnmower. And I said, Lord, today is my birthday. <laughs> and you got me buying somebody else a lawnmower. What's going on? And so I went out and, and, and bought him a lawnmower and delivered it to, to his house. And he said, man, I didn't want you to buy me a lawnmower. And I said, well, the Lord spoke to my heart and told me just to uh, go, go out and buy you a lawnmower. But it, it, it's so important to be led. I didn't want to miss that opportunity to be a blessing. You know, Smith, Wiggle, Smith Wigglesworth said, if you had to stop to get ready, that opportunity may pass you by. You know, so never pass up an opportunity to be, be a blessing. Man, the worst thing that can happen, God's going to bless you. You know, and you might be here to, to, uh, today and you might have a need. But if you just look to him, you, you know, God will show you the way out. You know, when I was younger, I used to put myself in, 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 in financial situations. God would tell me, don't buy that car, and I'll go buy it anyway. And, and, and you put yourself in situations, but thank God, even in that, God is still merciful. You know, God will still show you what to do. He might tell you to go buy a lawnmower. You need to cut, cut some extra, some... Many need to mow some loans to, to get some extra money. But, but God always opened doors. In, in fact, I heard a testimony about a church, um, you know, a church on the move in, in, in uh, Tulsa. The, the, the Lord spoke to the pastor, and he had everybody um, he felt led to tell his church, if you can, if you have time, I want everybody to create another stream of income. And, and, and so some, some, some people started babysitting. Some, some people started doing tech work. You know, whatever they were good at doing, they, they just started doing it just to create another stream of income. Um, well, one guy told me he started cutting hair. Another lady started cooking meals. You know, when you, when you look at the talents, the parable of the talents, when you read it, um, you know, he gave one, the master gave a guy one talent, one guy had two and one guy had five. The guy that had one didn't do anything. But if you notice, when I read the story, he didn't tell them what to do. And, and a lot of times, God won't tell you what to do. He just might give you an assignment, but he may not tell you every detail. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is just dig a hole and put it in. At least I got it. But God expects us to increase. You, you should keep evolving as a Christian. You should keep growing as a Christian. 
you should keep evolving. I heard one, one minister say a few uh, weeks ago, if you don't read, you can't lead. What are you reading? You, you know, you have to keep reinventing yourself, retooling yourself. If you want to stay relevant, Everybody that works with me, man, they're either 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, because they, they have to help me navigate through the computers, the phones. And I tell them, man, I used to watch Star Trek back in the 70s. This was like Star Trek stuff here, you know, cell phone, you know, beat me up. And I got to get my eight-year-old son sometimes to, you know, help me navigate through all of this. You know, but component number three was opportunities to serve. Component number one, unwrap the gift God, God has given you. You have a gift. Component number two was tr trust God. Component number three, capitalize on opportunities to serve other people. The gift that you have is not for you, but it's for someone else. See, God, God has anointed you. God has called you for somebody else to touch the world. Just like that seed, you may just start touching one people, then 10 people, then 50 people, then hundreds of people, then thousands of people, then tens of thousands of people. 